The writer's strike is over, we hope. Doctor Who's 60th anniversary trailer has been released. A reboot of The Office dares to break ground. And Jake Gyllenhaal was almost Batman? All that and more this week on Multiverse News. Welcome to Multiverse News, your one-stop shop for information about all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and on the panel today with me, I have Mr. Jay Sisson from Commute the Podcast. What's up, Jay? Not too much. Happy to be here with you guys. Got the band back together after a couple weeks. That's a good feeling. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Like soaking into a warm bath. <laughs> um, Haley Hobbs from Source Pages. So. <laughs> What's going on? Hello. I don't take baths. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, okay. Who takes baths here? I mean, like, let me. Uh, uh, not oh, me. First, Jay Scotty from uh, Jay Scotty from Animation Deliberation. Jay Scotty, welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me back. <laughs> Hygiene routine aside, I'm I'm glad that uh, we here at Stranded Panda could come to an agreement because the reason I wasn't here last week was because I was striking. So, oh, oh! <laughs> good to be back and, and working again. He got the contract. You know, he's ready to roll. <laughs> All right, I dig it. I dig it. Uh, well, so so I, I don't bathe to get clean. That's ridiculous. It's just pamper. It's me time. It's me time. <laughs> no, nobody. Has, do you guys bathe for me time? No, I sit on the couch. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My version of me time is alone in my basement watching TV uninterrupted, <laughs> yeah. not simmering in lukewarm water in my own filth. <laughs> I think a running injury a couple years ago, and somebody was like, "You should like." get in a bath and use like Epsom salt or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, it seems weird, but I'll do it. And I got in it and I was just sweaty the whole time. Like I was just like, this is so miserable. <laughs> like I don't want to be in this yeah, at all. And so got, I have like, not hot. done it since. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just was, I was sweating like crazy. Then it's totally miserable. You do need good ventilation. That is, that is important yeah. to a good bath, but like just the soaking in the warm bath part is so nice. And I also watch TV during that. <laughs> like, put on a show, put on a good show on my phone or whatever, and like lean. Oh, no. Jay Scotty. Oh, Scotty. No. He went to take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, this sounds really nice. I, think I, can't, I'm gonna... <laughs> I can't say. I got to go do this. <laughs> I described how wonderful bathing was, and we lost Jay Scotty before the first story. That's a bummer. All right. Uh, so, Jay Scotty, you're back. How was your bath? Oh, uh, you know, it was a first for me. I I decided to take a bath for relaxation purposes rather than hygiene purposes. And, you know, mm-hmm. I recommend it. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. I do recommend in the future not doing it right in the middle of the show. But, like, <laughs> but it's cool, man. Simmer on your own time. Man. <laughs> big, uh, <laughs> big bath guy now. It's going to be part of my personality now. Yeah, <laughs> what are baths other than, you know... Giant crock pots. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh. yep. Uh, let's make, make, make it make it a J. Scotty stew. Yes. But you're the soup. Yeah, you're the you're soup. The, you're the soup. Right. <laughs> All I'm right. a note of cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our first story today. Probably should. Good news. <laughs> As of Sunday, the Writers Guild reached a tentative agreement with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers to end its strike after nearly five months. The parties finalized the framework of the deal Sunday when they were 
able to untangle their stalemate over AI and writing room staffing levels. This is welcome news to everyone involved, no doubt, and hopefully means the actor strike will soon follow suit. What do we have to say about this near historic length of time this writer's strike persisted? Yeah, this is great news. Um, I think at this point, it's probably a almost 0% chance that it doesn't get voted through by the guild. That is the last step that needs to happen. But you already have the guild leadership coming out and saying this is a great deal and we really support this. So I don't think there'll be any, any problem there. I would expect, we're recording this on Tuesday night. I would expect at some point this week, tomorrow through Friday, uh, this will be voted through and finally official. Um, now, the actor strike, I think, will move a lot quicker after this. There are still uh, things that need to be worked out specifically for the actors, but this does give them like the shoulders to build on, right? Mm-hmm. To to kind of take this deal and then move into more specific things that the actors are requesting. So little things will have to be worked out for actors, like the uh, AI copying someone's likeness for. Uh, extras like that has to be an actor specific thing Um, a big thing was the self-taped auditions thing too like i don't know how much we've talked about it on this show but during covid the the whole thing was self-taped auditions you'd send in these taped auditions well the problem was that's very expensive to do right you have to get a camera you have to have somebody working the camera then you do hair makeup somebody delivering the lines all these things well actors are kind of looking at that and saying uh this is kind of unfair that you're still expecting us to send in self self-taped auditions. It's giving people an unfair advantage. Mm. You maybe have a little bit more money um, on the side to be able to fund self-taped auditions. So that's a big part of it too. So things like that specifically need to be worked out, but I've already seen news that um, SAG-AFTRA is going to come back to the table as little as as soon as this week or this weekend to start negotiating again. So I think you're going to see that move a lot faster, uh, especially now. So at this point, you know, I think just moving forward, there definitely has to be a little bit of healing happen in Hollywood over this. And I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, there were a lot of things said during the writer's strike, uh, especially from some studio execs about we want it to get as bad to where you have to sell your house and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good look now when you have to go back to work with these with these people. So you have that aspect to it. Um, also, the, the union of workers who works on these sets like lighting and electric ele- like electricians and all like the people who make this thing run they have their own union they are not happy right now with the writers the actors the studios with anyone because they lost a lot of money uh during this time uh because all of these productions were shut down so you know with all that being said it is good news but there are still obviously the little hurdles but then i think there are some bigger hurdles on the horizon like how does this industry start to heal and come back together and uh continue to work together after really a kind of a fracturing thing and and that content gap that we keep talking about like that is still coming uh there's there's this was a long gap i mean we're talking five months uh we're gonna feel that over the course of the next year i would say we probably won't start to feel like normal hollywood until like next summer so we still got we still got a lot of fallout here to happen but yeah like you said at the top it is good news ultimately it's interesting you talk about the content gap and uh, the universes we all love and like uh, marvel star wars these things that like you know we all follow it does feel like they were all kind of poised to try to start spreading things out anyway so i'm wondering if like this will sort of like provide that 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 concept of spreading content out especially marvel will like um 
provide them some cover in the fact that they're just missing content. You know, well, we're missing content, but we kind of had like a lot front loaded that we were planning to release. And now they're going to be able to space that out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, There's no denying that this is, you know, good news. It's probably the best news that we've gotten since these strikes started. I think it's important to emphasize that it's not over yet. This is just a tentative agreement. So I feel like a lot of the headlines and a lot of the reactions have been like, oh, the strike's over. It's finally over. And not quite. Uh, Like Jay, like you mentioned, the likelihood that it doesn't get ratified or approved is is highly unlikely. So um, for, you know, all intents and purposes, it seems like it's a done deal. But we're not at the end of the at the end of the road or the struggle because while I do have some optimism and, and hope that this resolution and the positive momentum will see the SAG after strike be ex- expedited and find a resolution that much faster, um, I do think you're going to find that a lot of these writers are going to be continuing to strike, continuing to be on the picket lines in solidarity with the actors who you know yeah, mm-hmm. strike right alongside them. So in terms of the content that we're going to see return, much like when the writer's strike started, late night talk shows were the first thing we saw kind of immediately go away. Those are going to be the first things we, that we start to see come back. So while we might not get the scripted content that we tend to be the biggest fans of and are looking forward to, at least there is, you know, seeming to be a, a light at the end of the tunnel. And at least we can have some platform to, um, you know, talk about some of these upcoming properties, even if the actors can't promote it themselves. Forthright. Mm. That's a great call. I can't wait for Seth Myers to come back. It's like my favorite late night <laughs> thing. <laughs> Love that show. I don't really have anything to add that you three haven't already said. I think that we will continue to feel the effects. And yet at the same time, it does seem like there's still this kind of deluge of content coming out. And I realize it's stuff that's already been in the can for a while, but it doesn't seem like we've really had a slowdown. We've had some things pushed that we haven't seen yet, but um, maybe it's giving a spotlight to some projects that would have gotten lost, perhaps. Uh, mm. If there has to be any kind of silver lining, I'd say that that's it. Uh, we're going to talk about all kinds of things in the lightning round, especially that are coming up. So I do hope they ratify it, and I hope everybody is going to get what they what they need and what they deserve. Absolutely. Have they released the details? No, not yet. I don't think we'll get the. Uh, I mean, we're say, we're recording this Tuesday night. Like, if you're listening to this Wednesday afternoon, there's a fairly good chance that they've ratified it and the details have been put out. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I kind of expect that to happen every day, uh, any moment. And uh, when they finally ratify the deal, I think that's where we'll start to see the details. Uh, right. But it does seem like at least the guild, like they're coming out and being like, we did great. We won, you know, like mm-hmm. this is a deal that we wanted. So it does seem like a lot of those core issues that they were really pushing were addressed in some way. I think the AI is one we talk about a lot, but really like writer staffing, like how many writers in a room, that was a big sticking point. Like studios wanted it as little as possible. Like <laughs> one writer, you know, just hammering out a story, whereas writer Writers will tell you, like, that does not get good content. You want multiple writers in a room pitching ideas, bouncing stuff back and forth, Mm -hmm. like writing different characters, different perspectives. And um, that was a big sticking point. So I kind of expect that that'll be a big hall point of, like, we got job security for writers type thing. Mm -hmm. But we'll see. I I haven't heard, uh, like you said, the details aren't released yet. But, like, the um, I've just been hearing that the response from the writers – seems to be that they won and the response from the industry uh, folks have put out very simple statements of we have reached a tentative agreement like it's like very simple like like, like stuff like that that these these organizations are like they don't seem nearly as uh, excited to be possibly returning as the writers do so I I hope that means really good things for the uh, 
for the writers and that they were able to win what they deserve. And I, I'm excited for them. So on the one side, you've got a moment of victory. On the other side, you have begrudging acceptance. <laughs> yep. <laughs> As you often do. <laughs> Up next, the first trailer for the upcoming three-episode Doctor Who's 60th anniversary special has premiered to excited Whovians everywhere, including this Whovian. The trailer features David Tennant portraying a reincarnation of the 10th Doctor who reunites with his companion Donna Noble, played by Catherine Tate, as well as Gemma Redgrave, reprising her role as Kate Lethbridge-Stewart, and Neil Patrick Harris will play the Toymaker, an all-powerful villain who appeared in 1966 for the first time. Uh, we also get a short glimpse of the new 15th Doctor, played by Rwandan Scottish actor Nkuti Gatwa. Uh, the special series begins streaming in November. Who's ready to jump in the TARDIS and enjoy the world of Doctor Who? So I'll come right out and say, like, I don't know if I identify as a Whovian. I do respect Doctor Who, and I've seen a handful of Doctor Who episodes, and I've always had friends that really enjoy Doctor Who, and I've always enjoyed the episodes that I've experienced in their company. And I, I, I you know, it's just, it's kind of on the list. It's been going for 60 years, so there's so much to go back and, mm -hmm. and watch. It kind of seems like a, a monumental task. But, yeah, 60 years is such an achievement and such a testament. So the fact that, like, the show gets to celebrate in this way by bringing back so many of its celebrated casts. I know David Tennant is a lot of people's favorite favorite doctor and he's just a wonderful performer i love him and everything i've seen him in including mm. the episodes of doctor who that i've seen but um neil patrick harris absolute talent the fact that he's going to get to play like you know a villain and be a little maniacal i think he's perfect for the world of doctor who and then um i guess the last point that i want to touch on here is uh the new doctor that we're getting like who i guess is the 15th doctor mm -hmm. at this point that's insane uh but yeah the fact that we have uh in kudi gatwa playing the role, I only recognize this performer from his recent uh, uh, casting in Barbie where he played one of the versions of Ken, but I do know that he's the first person of color as well as the first uh, queer or member of the LGBTQ community that will be portraying a doctor. So definitely a good get there. Nice to get that representation and nice to see a fandom that is celebrated by so many people from all across the world that the, you know, the diversity and the representation continues to uh, to be such a factor here. One of the things about Doctor Who is that it has a very distinct look and feel when you're watching the episodes. And I love that they haven't tried to move away from that at all. So like when you're watching it, the effects maybe look a little like you you can see them kind of a thing, but that's part of the charm of the show. And it's kind of mm. what makes makes it its thing. And um the Neil Patrick Harris casting was the swing that I wasn't expecting, mm. and I really loved him in the trailer. Um, and yeah, echo all the things about David Tennant. Just the best. Yeah. I I I am a Whovian. I am big time love Doctor Who. Uh, I've seen a lot of the newer stuff and some of the older stuff. And I really am excited to see David Tennant's my favorite doctor. Uh, he is the one that like really settled me in as a Whovian. Um, and I'm just really excited to see him return. I was shocked by his return and I'm really excited that, uh, uh, that he's coming back. Uh, and I'm, I'm a little no shade 
Donna Noble is a wonderful character, but she's not my favorite companion. But like a lot of people, that's that they love their relationship, and I, and it's a great relationship. But like she was never my favorite companion. So they've done a few things where like she came back for a Christmas special once, and then they like she's coming back for this as as the companion. And I'm like I liked a lot of his companions more than her, and so it's just kind of funny. I think they love working together. They they've done a lot of like charity events and stuff, and they're always together. So it seems like they have a great relationship. Um, and so I just love David Tennant and like, I'm just all on board for this. Um, I think one thing, uh, I know just to say something, uh, responding to you, Haley, like I thought this, it, 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 they have kept a very classic look to Dr. Who throughout the entirety of, you know, forever. But I will say this trailer looks a lot more cinematic than we're used to mm-hmm. in the Doctor mm-hmm. Who universe. It looks very, very like like a lot of uh, drone shots of over cities and out of helicopters Definitely. and stuff that like doesn't normally happen. Also, they straight up go to Avengers Tower, right? Right, everybody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Specifically, the effects to me are very... Um just very distinctly Doctor Who, I guess. Yes. They, 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 yes, they generally are. Um, this, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I just think this trailer tries, it's trying to elevate it a little bit, trying to do something a little different. So, sure. 60 years, it deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. They had a 50 year uh, celebration that also did some amazing stuff. They brought in three different doctors and brought them all together to do some cool stuff and like a timey, wimey, they're existing at the same time sort of situation. That was a lot of fun. Was Peter Capaldi a part of that? Yes. That's mm-hmm. insane to me. The fact that that was 10 years ago. I remember <laughs> oh. when Peter Capaldi became the new doctor. I'm sorry. He was not part of that. That okay. was right before Peter Capaldi. I gotcha. Okay. Uh, Peter Capaldi like was kind of his doctor was birthed like the next season or something like gotcha. that. So, okay. Um, okay. was regenerated. I don't know why I said birthed. It was just, it was a, it was a turn of <laughs> phrase, but I realized people who don't know Dr. Who might think that's like a Dr. Who thing. He was birthed. No, like <laughs> he was, he, he regenerated into Capaldi like a season later, I believe. Gotcha. Waterfall angel says he did appear in it. Oh, was he in the, didn't show his face. Oh, then you right. call yourself a Whovian. Get out of here. <laughs> that doesn't count. Yeah, if his face isn't on it, if it's not on screen, it didn't happen. That's like the Superman uh-huh. thing where they showed Superman from the head down or whatever, like two or three times <laughs> throughout yeah. the DC extended universe. It's like, that doesn't count. It's not a cameo. You know, one of my favorite weird <laughs> trivia things is that Peter Capaldi was a Doctor Who fan growing up, like a really big sure. Doctor Who fan. Um, and so was his classmate and bandmate. And I'm blanking on the guy's name he was a late night host who had all the puppets and the skeleton and the weird horse nobody oh, you know i know who about. you're talking about but i'm blanking on his name as well the big snake cup crap come what? on <laughs> craig ferguson yes thank you craig ferguson <laughs> late night host with horse thanks google that, exactly <laughs> thank you thank you google i knew it'd be quick Fellow Scotsman. Yeah, they yeah. were they were apparently close friends in like high school and were in a band together and stuff in oh, high school. Cool. Oh, right. And like they were big Doctor Who fans. And then like years later, he's getting like I don't know. It was just neat like watching that all happen and Craig Ferguson talking about his friend who loved Doctor Who getting to be Doctor Who like you know forty five years later or whatever. It's it's just kind mm-hmm. of a wild like being that old and like. Because he was an older doctor compared to right. what they'd been doing lately, and being that old and having loved it for that long, and it, it, and having your friend be a guy who could interview you about it, and having like you know who used to geek out about this, I'm doing it now. Like it's just a, it was such a <laughs> cool thing. Neat to hear them talk about it. Okay, up next for reasons unknown to many, 
A reboot of the U.S. version of The Office is rumored to be in the works. Original creator Greg Daniels is reportedly returning and has previously hinted at bringing the show back, but with different actors in the roles. Daniels has also been quoted as saying he envisioned it as a, quote, extension of the universe, but I don't know if that would be something people want. End quote. What feedback do we have to place in the Dunder Mifflin office suggestion box? Okay. I know you guys want me to come out swinging. I know you put me on this show to like try to set me up and watch me fall. <laughs> what? Wait, what? Who, who does? does? You tried to do that? it Chris Evans and you're trying to do it now. I think this is... <laughs> the main reason I think this is really bad is the recency of it. Like The office didn't go off of air that long ago and i just think it's too close right um the u.s version was already a remake or however you want to say it of the british version of the office um and depending on your proclivities you like it better or not but it is just a really 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 beloved network television series and because it's network television it kind of holds this place and time that a lot of things don't anymore and so i i don't like it at all um however i have listened to podcasts and stuff where they'll go through the jokes and they're like oh you couldn't do that these days and da 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 and it's like well i get it i know what you're saying yeah some of the stuff was not pc michael scott was not pc that was part of his character um and if that's the reason like why they want to redo it i don't agree with that either because this was a thing made of its time and it just is what it is it's like you know do you watch gone with the wind and don't want you want to remake that because Rhett Butler smacks Scarlett O'Hara? Like, yeah, it's not great, but damn, what are you going to do? It was the 30s. So, <laughs> I don't know. I just... <laughs> but damn, what are you going to do? I feel like it's, it's silly to be talking about it at this point in time. That show went off the air, like, was it 10 years ago-ish? Uh, yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, 2012, right? 2013, the last episode aired. if he wants to make it like an extended universe i don't know also like you kind of did that with parks and recreation and then it became kind of its own show very different from the office i don't know i'm like parks and rec wasn't actually connected though right no it wasn't um, but they tried to spin it off like in the same style it's very much the same style yeah um you have Rashida so. Jones playing characters on both shows. That's you do have like. the, it's the Rashida Jones verse. Like, mm. let's yeah. do that. <laughs> no, let's not. I after don't know. She was, after she was uh, testified in the, the murder case of, what was it, the Pawnee Strangler or something like that? Oh, the, the, Scran- the Scran- Scran- Strangler. Pawnee. Scran- 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 <laughs> Sorry, I got, I got confused. That's the connecting tissue. <laughs> yeah. They both had Stranglers. I don't know. I... We we had some strong feelings about reboots of other things. I have strong feelings about this one. Mm. Yeah, it's it is a time capsule. Like if you watch it, and I think a lot of the, especially the earlier seasons, really do hold up in terms of humor. I think they're very re- rewatchable. But if you watch them, they do feel very dated. Even like just the way an office functions ten years ago is completely different yeah. than the way an office functions now with remote work and Zoom and working from home and just like the 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 way that a modern office runs it, it in no way mirrors the what they were showing on that show so to reboot it it would have to i think capture that it would have to capture the now in the same way that the old one captured the then uh, i think 
from a standpoint, I, I do see both sides of it. I was a big fan of The Office. I watched it from the very beginning. I watched it as it dropped. Um, I, I felt like it it had such a strange evolution because for the first few seasons, it got better and better. I feel like by the time you hit season five, it was still really, really interesting. The plot lines were good. The jokes were good. But at some point, at least for me, it did start to to take some weird turns and make some very strange choices and how it was developing characters and plot lines and, and everything. And to me, like I'm trying to think about a reboot and I, I do think that there is an appetite for that style of show still. And the evidence for that is that show Abbott elementary. I don't know if you've ever watched that, but it's essentially a very office style. It's like a docu-series. It's the whole looking at the camera, Jim uh, Halpert style, breaking the fourth wall, like side interviews in between scenes to add humor. And that's an extremely popular show. It was a big Emmy winner. And so I think there may still be an appetite for that type of show, but I don't know what you do with this. I don't know if you put it on cable. I don't know if you put it on streaming. Like I don't know what that looks like either uh, because that show hit. Everything hit at the right time uh, and everybody had an appetite for it when it was on air. So with all that being said, the vision's got to be different to draw me in. I'm definitely open to it. Um, I'm not ready to just completely write it off, but it's definitely an eyebrow raise for sure. Mm-hmm. The thing that worries me and, and, and is the, the way it's like you said the thing about uh, having the character's actors in those roles. Like, I don't know if he means like the actors playing those characters, which I think is a terrible idea, or if he just means different actors in similar positions in the office. Cause you know, I, I think there's, 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 um, this could be a show that like they brought back every 10 years to sort of like comment on the way work is changing. You know, like I could, I could see it being an interesting thing where like, it's called The Office, but, like, what is The Office now? And, like, yeah, there are people working. Like, half the staff is remote. Like, you know, stuff like that, like, weird things of, like, or the, you, you just have the one guy who's remote who's always, like, in his underwear uh, eating eating cereal or whatever. Business on the top, underwear on the bottom only. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, there, there are jokes you could make that are totally different that I could totally see fitting the style of that show um, and, like, fitting into more today's. Uh, yeah. office but like uh yeah i don't necessarily need this but i also I, you know i'm not going to discount it but i do think like just make it in the same universe and bring back some actors like that's i i, I just always want to go sequel rather than reboot watch your semantics like if you mean that you want a new show in the office universe then say that don't say you're gonna reboot a beloved franchise mm, the office exactly. you know what i mean like choose choose your words a little better yeah Reboot is such a triggering word these days. (laughs) The the original show really worked, I think, too, because it was a commentary on work at the time. Like, it was a commentary on the absurdity of the the office. And people found it so relatable because there were characters that were like people that they worked with and just like red tape and just like the idea of working in an office with technology that would replace you and just like commentary on just work and that, that lifestyle. And if a new show were to come along, it has to capture that. Like, it has to capture the absurdity mm-hmm. of work now, which is way different than work 10 years ago. Yeah. And even the idea of being working for a corporation feels almost outdated these days because so much work today is gig work. And there's so much of that. Like, I could absolutely see a uh, like new show unrelated totally new and it's just called like gig or something like that and it's just about Hmm. that life and it's about like you know running around doing like 
taking people in Ubers and picking up food and like the kind of weird situations you get into doing that, like that kind of stuff. You know, it reminds me of, um, what's that one, uh, where they had the catering company. Like that's very similar to the oh, office. party down. Yeah. Party down is a very similar Great to show. the office show, but it's just about like the catering world, you know, like I don't know that we need an office show cause the time of the office is kind of gone and it's sort of like not really what's happening now. <laughs> All right. Well, up next, in a recent podcast interview, screenwriter David S. Goyer let loose some interesting info about the Christopher Nolan Batman films, uh, stating that he vouched for Jake Gyllenhaal to portray the titular character of Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Uh, Goyer continued to tantalize, saying that he is pretty sure there is test footage laying around somewhere of Gyllenhaal's audition in a Batman costume. We also could have had a Leonardo DiCaprio version of the Riddler if an unnamed Warner Brothers executive had gotten their way. The Dark Knight trilogy is often lauded as some of the best feature films of the Caped Crusader. Can we imagine anyone other than Christian Bale in Nolan's films? Yeah. I wanted to tackle this story because not last weekend, but the weekend prior was Batman Day. So I actually had the opportunity. I went back and I caught Batman Begins and The Dark Knight in theaters. I wasn't able to squeeze in The Dark Knight Rises. I had to watch that one on Max uh, <laughs> after the fact. But I got to re revisit the entire Nolan trilogy. And it was actually the first time I'd revisited The Dark Knight Rises since I saw it in theaters because I didn't enjoy it very much. But upon rewatch, it actually worked <laughs> a lot better for me. And I think watching in such close proximity to the other films, it's still the weakest of the three by far. And one of Nolan's worst films, but it's it's still solid. So, um, all that being said, you know Jake Gyllenhaal. Thinking about him, he was almost Spider Man once upon a time, and then hearing this talk about him almost being Batman, like, and thinking about him as a performer and some of the roles he's taken on, like, I have no doubt in my mind that Jake Gyllenhaal has a great Batman and a a great Bruce Wayne within him. I think he has that capability to like toe that line and portray that duality and really go dark places with the character of Bruce Wayne particularly. But then I also think about, okay, what else was Jake Gyllenhaal doing around this time, around 2005, around 2008? And a movie that comes to mind is The Prince of Persia. So look at the fact that he made a choice like that and appeared in a movie like that. I think everything shook out the way that it was supposed to. As much as I love Jake Gyllenhaal as a performer, it probably wasn't the right time for him. He needed to mature a little bit more, learn a little bit more about the industry and which roles to take on. And which ones not to take on. And that being said, you know, uh, there have been a lot of great Batman and I love all of them for varying reasons. But outside of, you know, the vocal performance of Kevin Conroy, Christian Bale is my Batman. I, Batman Begins is my favorite Batman film. And I can go on a, you know, a uh, tirade about why that is on, on another podcast. But uh, no, I just I just thought this was really interesting. Batman is such a, you know, he's so many people's favorite characters. So whenever you want to have the conversation about fan casting or what would this person look like in the role, it's always going to be a fun and interesting conversation. I have strong feelings about Christian Bale in those movies. I, okay. I, uh, I love Batman Begins, but after that, I feel like he's an empty suit. Like, I just feel mm. like he is kind of walking through the Batman. Like, he he's just not the star of those second and third movies, really. Like, it feels like the villains are, which is often the case with Batman. So it kind of takes someone elevating that role, and I don't think he achieves that in the second and third installment. Um, he's great. He works fine for the role, but I don't think he really brings much to the table. As for Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, the Joker, man. Should have been the Joker. Like, I not mm. not in that era. Obviously, we got a great Joker for that era, but like, just like 
face shape and like I just think of him as like Donnie Darko doing like the mm-hmm. weird dark stuff that he does in that movie and like uh man he I could so see him knocking the Joker out of the park. Uh I don't really see Batman. I just don't see the like square jawed justice guy. I don't know. I don't either. I think he leans more villain, like you you're saying. He even could have been a good Riddler. Mm-hmm. Um I think he's got the the poise and the cachet to carry that off. He's intelligent. He kind of freaks me out for some reason. Like I don't know why all of a sudden <laughs> in my later like life at this point, I'm I used to love Jake Gyllenhaal and I'm like, I don't know, there's something about you that's just like Nathan, my husband was watching the new Guy Ritchie movie. He's in Covenant. And oh, I right. like I looked around the corner, I was like, What are you watching? He's like, That new Guy Ritchie movie and I was like, Oh, well, the one with Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah, no, I'm good. Like, I don't know. There's just <laughs> something about him that like puts me off now. Have you seen Nightcrawler? <laughs> no. Yeah, that was the one don't, I was gonna don't bring watch up. Nightcrawler. <laughs> I, don't worry, I shan't. I just but you know, this casting, like you're saying, Matt, doesn't make sense to me as Batman, but a villain in these Batman movies, I, I could definitely have seen that. Yeah. Yeah, Nightcrawler's a great example, Scotty, and uh, I was thinking about Zodiac, too. Mm. Uh, he, and he's not really a villain in that movie, but it does kind of show his range as an actor to be able to to tap into other things. So I think it could have worked. I mean, when I first saw it, I just kind of laughed because I thought it was funny to just like picture him in that role, and I really want to see the test footage. Uh, but um, after some more thought, it did it kind of worked a little bit, but um, I, I do uh, I do agree with you with The Dark Knight Rises, too, by the way. Rewatch, not so bad. Okay, people okay. are people are shaking their fists right now listening to this. They're like, that movie sucks or whatever. Uh, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as you remember. Or at least for me, it wasn't as bad as I remember. Uh, right. I remember kind of like not really liking it on first watch, but second yeah. watch kind of thinking like, okay, I can kind of come to the middle a little bit on this, and it kind of works on some levels. Right. Is that the one with Bane? It is. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I, don't I just don't love those movies, but I know that people really do, and that's great. I mean, you can feel the pivot in that movie from what it was supposed to be to what yeah. it was. Like, there was clearly supposed to be a plan where Heath Ledger was supposed to take on this very center role uh, as as the villain. That, that the Dark Knight uh, was supposed to sort of introduce him and introduce that that idea, and then the Dark Knight Rises was supposed to be the final confrontation between those two. And you can feel that that was missing. And I think that, that it'll always be a, a movie of of what could have been. I think on some level because of that. Sure. You know what. I find sort of funny about this. Uh, there's apparently a, 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 a executive who wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to be the Riddler in these movies. And I just, Leonardo through that era and continues to be such a like awards hound, you know, like he's really, yeah. he's, he's like always seeking that Oscar for a while there. Um, and like, uh, I just imagine him being like, no, I'm not going to do a Batman movie. I'm going to do some Oscar stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like, and this is just, this is just the, this is me, my fan fiction version of this, but him being like, I'm not going to do, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for my Oscar. And then like Heath Ledger does his thing and it's like, I missed it. I, I missed my opportunity. <laughs> but then that begs the question, not to take anything away from Heath Ledger's performance, but would he have won the Oscar had, you know, the tragic real life events not, you know, taken place? That's well, a, we'll never know. That's a tough yeah, question. We'll never true. know. And I do think that like, I think he deserved the Oscar. Sure, I agree. But I do think that his death is what made the Academy pay attention. Right. Like I think that, yeah, like I don't think his I don't think saying that he got it because of his death is like taking it away from his performance that it deserved it. I think it was the best performance sure. that year. He's a, it's amazing. But yeah. I think that like that's the only reason they paid any attention to it. Like it would have just yeah. gotten the same way as always. They would have ignored the 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 superhero movie, you know. 
Yeah, I'm glad you elaborated on my point because that's a much better way of, of saying what I was trying to get <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back with our Spotify poll and our lightning round. We got some good lightning round stories this week. I am oh, yeah. really, really excited about lightning round. <laughs> um, and we'll be right back after this. All right, we're back and it's time to talk about the Spotify poll uh, for this week, it was, and I feel like there's a lot of discussion around this. We got we got to have Jay, we got to hash this out. Yeah, uh, no, it's it's true. We do. Let me go get my popcorn. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Question is, what should Matt and Jay bet over the Aquaman two box office? <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of you had really good answers. Um, DJ Triple says, uh, "Loser has to talk about everything they hate." For a whole episode, <laughs> that's that's terrible. That's like yeah, you, you guys would tune in for that. I mean, come on now. Yeah, you really want to hear that? I feel like that'd be a long episode too. By the way, I hate a lot of stuff. <laughs> that's because you're a hater, Jay. I am a, I'm, a, I'm a known hater. <laughs> I'm a known Let the hater. hate flow through you. <laughs> good, good. We should put each put out a hate episode and just see how long yeah, they are. It's just us in front of a mic for like an hour and a half. Just yeah. like oh a bon- bonus episode. It would just be be like you hating on things and me defending them i'm such a puppy dog about everything <laughs> like well, I mean, it has its it has its merits you know maybe it's good for this um all right uh ha said uh loser has to dress as aquaman for an episode every ten thousand dollars they're off by <laughs> oh so for I the rest of the show's existence because yeah. that would be ten thousand dollars like, seriously like, it, maybe ten million like might be a metric for that but ten thousand like yeah, that's in, that's yeah, six, like they said. Six thousand episodes later, I'll still be in an Aquaman costume. It'll You'd be never like ta- have to it'll think be tattered. About what you have to wear? I'll be in my fifties. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Uh, that old tattered Aquaman costume. Like you could refresh it, but why? Like the trident just... only has one prong, so it's just a big fork now. <laughs> and listen, I'm a I'm a man. I'm a man who can commit to the bit, but even that. I mean that's a little much. It's a little, <laughs> little too, it's a little too much commitment to the bit. It's just gonna devolve into Mermaid Man from SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jason Bailey says the loser gets an Aquaman inspired tattoo. Ooh, Ooh, how do you feel about that, Jay? Yeah, let me explain that to you know everyone in my life. <laughs> <laughs> It's either the costume or the tattoo. Several of these, and I don't know which ones made it in and which ones didn't, but several of the ones I was reading either resulted in the destruction of my family or the, <laughs> or, or the end of my life. So, <laughs> uh, n- none of those were funny. It was like things like watch Aquaman every day for 6,000 days or something. I was yeah. like, okay. And then other ones were like, well, I think this one's in there, but about like drinking obscene amounts of alcohol in a in a tight window of time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the hospital. Yeah. that one is uh and, and i think it's not a bad it's just not a bad inspiration here uh but the levue doctor levue doctor levue dr whatever Levy doctor yeah. i don't know uh uh says the loser has to drink an entire bottle of momoa's vodka during the one of the shows which <laughs> which would result in me going to the hospital by yeah. the way because yeah. we <laughs> record for about an hour and a half yeah 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 
What if we get sponsored? (laughs) (laughs) Does that make it worth it to you? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not the one who has to do it. (laughs) Man, dark, Haley, dark. Um, (laughs) El Nino says, they bet their happiness? Like, what does that mean? (laughs) They just wrote their happiness. I love that one. (laughs) The winner gets to be happy forevermore, and the loser has to (laughs) live a life of depression. (laughs) These are are some high stakes, people. Jen twenty seven said sixty eight dollars and forty one cents. I don't know if that's a reference. <laughs> wildly anything, specific, but I like how wildly specific it is. Um, I love that. And then uh, <laughs> Maddie says, uh, "Loser has to watch Thor: The Dark World fifty two times," which I like it as a reference to our last week. We talked about that podcast where they watched the same movie, oh, yeah. <laughs> the sequel, fifty two times. Pretty good. That may be the worst one. <laughs> it's the pretty worst bad. Punishment of that's, all of them. It's pretty bad. Um, yeah, that would drive me nuts, man. Watching the same movie. I'm not much of a rewatcher in general, and watching the same movie every week would drive me nuts. Um, <laughs> R. P. Collins, 1991, says, uh, "Being the host on the other person's main podcast. That's pretty fun." Okay, that's yeah, pretty fun. I can feel that? Yeah, I just feel like that would be uh, me, me guesting on your podcast uh, would just be just be bad for everyone. Uh, and it's like you'd come on my cast you'd enjoy it if i came on your cast uh it would be uh terrible for for your show uh because i would have to prepare it and terrible for me because i would have to prepare it uh i feel like i feel like i would have to throw the game in that case Um, (laughs) but you're welcome on the show anytime <laughs> and I'll happily come on yours as well. I just I'm I I used to do a show in a similar vein and I was terrible yeah. at preparing it. That's like what like I yeah, that's why I stopped doing that show. I was terrible <laughs> at preparing it. Uh so hosting is a bad idea. Um and uh, last one, I think this is is this you Scotty? Jay Scotty? I uh, it's me. Loser has to eat a Carolina Reaper on air. <laughs> yeah. It'll just be like one of those episodes of uh, what's that show, Hot Wings or whatever. Hot Wings. Hot Wings. Yeah, you talk Hot about ones. doing a potential partnership. Let's hit up first we feast. Yeah, let's there you make go. it happen. <laughs> I just said I have to sit here and like eat them in increasing difficulty while you ask me questions or whatever. I yeah. like that you've accepted your fate, Jay. Like, yeah, I mean, I shot it too like low. I did. I did shoot it loses. too low. I listened to the episode the next day and I was like, I shot that so low. Like, I know it, we. I think we all agree across the board. Like, the movie's not going to do well. Because it has like a $200 million budget. I mean, come on. But like, sure. I, I think like, yeah, I definitely shot it too low. And I can recognize yeah. that now. I was in the heat of the moment. <laughs> yeah. But I own it. And I'm not going to back away from it. I own it. Okay. I okay. think there's going to well, be a pocket of fans that go to see that movie just to spite you. Yeah. I'm going to get like, you know, emails or something about like ticket stubs. And it's like, yeah, what do you think about this? Seeing Aquaman. I saw it 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> I rented out a private theater. <laughs> yeah. All those people that just hate Jay Sisson for some reason. Like all the all the multiverse news listeners who are hate listening for Jay Sisson. <laughs> are you a member of the Jay Sisson Hate Club? <laughs> right. Yeah, I like it. Send me an invitation, you know. Let's get let's get t shirts made. <laughs> the next homecoming day at your school. <laughs> so here here's here's one. And we can we can we can reformat the the uh, the numbers on the bet. I'm okay with like you picking a number. No, and, like, go, uh, 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 that's gonna get too much pushback. That's gonna get too much pushback. Yeah, the okay. people, the people won't it. like it. The people won't like okay. it. Okay. Well, what I was on gonna request, what I was gonna suggest <laughs> was uh, based on these. <laughs> uh, was do you like? Do you drink? Do you like to drink? 
I mean, I I can, uh, you know, can <laughs> physically been a while. Of it. Now listen, it's been a while since I've you know gone hard. It's, it's been it's been okay. several years. Well, no, I, I, was, I wasn't thinking about going hard. I was just thinking one of us has to buy the other one Momoa's vodka. Okay, like, I, mean, like I can a, do that. Like a, like a bottle of Momoa's vodka. It's it, I yeah. looked it up. It's not pricey so vodka. You solicit all these suggestions and don't take a single one. You well, just <laughs> with your own. What's the point of the Spotify the, poll this week? The people are shaking their fists. They're <laughs> well, like, no. they want justice. It's like the it's like in the the arena, like when a gladiator's like getting ready to cut another guy's head off, and they're like <laughs> they're like they're like, they just want blood. You know, uh, uh, people okay. want. If if Jay Scotty really is upset, I, we can. I'm, 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 not, I'm not that upset. Now. How about this? I, <laughs> the original bet, the original bet that it won't beat Blue Beetle. It's opening. That that was the original thing. Right. Right. So and now, it, and and to clarify that, I did say, which I'm not crazy about this claim, but I I did say that that would be over the course of its entire run, not just in its opening weekend. Right. So okay. I didn't have to own that. Okay. That that's the only. Okay. So that can be the bet for the vodka. But I'll. How about you set a new number, and we sort of like we haggle over a new number. And <laughs> Haley's and, mad. I can. T- and that one, <laughs> no. that one, we'll eat a Carolina Reaper for. Oh, <laughs> okay. So you want me to come to the table with a number like next week or what? Like, what are we doing? I don't know. That? What do you feel? How you feel about right now? I don't know if I'm prepared for Hot that. Seat. Like, <laughs> I think I think I need to like. Uh, we're doing like worldwide earnings opening throughout weekend. the course of its entire run. How about this? Just opening weekend. You give me a number for opening weekend, and I'll give you, and I'll do over or under. Domestic or worldwide. Uh, domestic. D- d- uh, ooh, domestic. See, I don't know. Uh, domestic. Sure. <laughs> so you give me a number. How much did Blue Beetle make? It's going to go it's over. over. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Wasn't Blue. like twenty-five million. Or it was not like good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Opening weekend domestic. Uh, <laughs> it made two, twenty-five point four million. So like a I have to commit to. I have to commit that it'll be a pretty, pretty hefty bomb. So. Um, well, this is a new bet. You can, you, you, and also I, my, my thought was you pick the number, I pick the over or under, or I can pick a number and you pick over or under. I don't know. Okay. Um, hold on. The flash opening. <laughs> <laughs> all this research, all this research. I just need to base it on something. 55 million. Okay. Um, let's go, let's go split it. Let's go with 40. That's still a bomb. Forty's a bomb. You're going like, forty million. Yeah, and it's opening weekend domestically. And I will go over for that, so that keeps the yeah. bet the same. So you're going yeah. under forty, and I'm going over forty for opening weekend. That's up through Sunday, like Thursday through Sunday yes. or whatever. Yes. All right, I dig it. And forty so, is still a bomb. Like if it goes forty, like that's not good. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. not good at so, all. <laughs> we we have to take a, a good bite of a Carolina Reaper on the air. Okay. Uh, it, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna have to buy the tums. It's yep, a, same here. Same uh, here. My body ain't what it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll send you some tums, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into the lightning round. Uh, we're gonna run through these as fast as we can tonight because we have been recording a while. Uh, you you guys may not have caught it on the uh, recorded version of this podcast, but we've had lots of technical difficulties this evening. So uh, let's get into the lightning round. You guys know how this works. I'm gonna say a story. You can call out your name to claim the story, and uh, you will say your piece. And uh, only one person gets to respond to each story, and then once per round, you get a rebuttal to that response. So here we go. 
first story. Amazon has announced that its Prime Video service will feature limited ads beginning in early 2024, and the ad tier will be the default option for Prime Video. The company says that the price of a regular Prime subscription won't rise next year, but users who want to continue watching Prime Video without commercials will have to pay an extra $2.99 per month. Haley? Don't we spend enough money with you as it is, Amazon? Could you take this one on the chin? Okay, thanks. Hey, they're trying to make season two of the Rings of Power over here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Paramount has set a release date for its untitled sequel to the surprise horror hit Smile. It will be released October 18th, 2024. Paramount also set a date for the musical adaptation of Mean Girls, which will debut on January 12th, 2024. It previously was intended for Paramount Plus, but has been upgraded to a theatrical release. Matt, I really want to talk about this. Uh, uh, this here, Mean Girls. I never saw Smile. I don't know about that, uh, but for the Mean Girls, I find this very interesting because, on first blush, taking a like something that was meant for streaming and moving it to theatrical release shows like great confidence in that thing, right? Like it seems like, oh, this is great, but it's muddled by the fact that we've had the writer's strike. So I also know that they're looking for content to be released theatrically to spread out their content more. So like, is this a case of them just needing content? I also think there's an interesting wrinkle with Barbie. I think the Barbie audience and the Mean Girls audience is not like, the Mean Girls musical audience particularly, like it's sort of an event thing. You could imagine people going and singing along. You can imagine people dressing up even. That movie has some great costumes that people love to wear and like do TikToks in, or like the original Mean Girls has costumes people still do TikToks in like 20 years later or whatever. So I just see like a very, I I could see this being an influence of Barbie. I could see it being an influence of the strike or maybe it's just a great movie that's getting a lot of buzz. I don't know, but I find it interesting. Scotty with a rebuttal. I just want to chime in and say um, I really appreciate the note you made about Barbie because I had not make that made that connection. But if you look at a poster for the Mean Girls musical, it could be very easily be confused with marketing for Barbie. It's mm. all pink, um, you know, various Mean Girls being represented by, uh, you know, performers of different ethnicities depending on where it was being performed in the in the country or the world for that matter but um, I did want to speak to smile a little bit just because you couldn't touch on it at all I really liked smile um, it knew exactly what it wanted to be and it wore its its heart on its sleeve uh, potential spoilers for for smile I am curious about what a sequel would look like because uh, Kevin Bacon's daughter Sosie Bacon this was kind of her breakout role in the first smile and uh, the last thing I've seen her in was like Hyundai electric car commercials with her dad so I don't know <laughs> how that looks for her career trajectory at this point but uh, I'm not sure she's going to be a part of smile too but I could be wrong sounds like easy money to me <laughs> sounds like that so. wallet's getting a little light <laughs> I, I didn't know that about uh, Kevin Bacon's daughter being in it, but I think that's very interesting seeing as he like had his first big role was like Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Was it? I believe so. He had a small role in Nightmare on Elm Street, and that was like his first like propelled oh. thing. Okay. I believe. I Either that or it was Friday the 13th. I may be getting First thing I recognize him in is Animal House. Super young Kevin Bacon in oh, Animal House. Oh, wow. Okay. I think it's Friday the 13th. 13th. And I think that because okay. I listen to Bill and Ash's Terror Theater and I'm pretty <laughs> sure they talk about it because doesn't he, he gets the arrow in his head or whatever, right? I believe okay. so. Yeah, he dies. Yeah, yeah. Johnny so it, Depp is Nightmare on Elm Street. 
Okay. Ashley, I do you proud. <laughs> good job. Good job. So you, we should all be listening to more Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater. I just knew I knew that he got an early start in like in a horror movie that didn't like, and then he went on to have a great career as like sort of the hero of all these other kind of like, you know, Footloose and blah, blah. He is that Kevin Bacon. Uh, but like, yeah, uh, of, of Guardians that's of the Galaxy Hollow fame. Man. Oh, yeah, that's true. That movie. <laughs> Groundbreaking visual effects. though. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Anyway, I was just saying, I think it's interesting that his daughter started in a horror movie, too. Like, that's kind of an interesting little parallel. When's she going to get her tremors? Yeah, when's she going to get her tremors? Uh, <laughs> maybe Smile 2 will be her tremors. <laughs> Stampede. Uh, Lionsgate has released a new trailer for Hunger Games prequel uh, film... Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. The film is set to hit theaters on November 17th, despite the ongoing actor strike. Haley? Scotty? I don't... Okay. (laughs) I don't have a lot to say about this, because I don't really care for the Hunger Games stuff. Only because I don't really like dystopia. It's not my thing. It's just not my bag. And that's what those books are. Um, I don't know. Rachel Zegler has been getting a lot of bad press lately on the internet and so maybe they're like we'll just release it anyway it's fine <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's good that she can't be out there yeah i don't even sorry uh, yeah let's push this through let's move this thing up <laughs> yeah. that, that actor strike might get resolved yeah, let's get, <laughs> it's terrible it's the absolutely internet terrible has just been going after her all right i didn't know that uh, all oh, right. Yeah. During what is expected to be the worst weekend for theatrical ticket sales so far this year, Expendables 4 landed only $8.3 million in its opening weekend, representing the worst opening for a film in the franchise. It was narrowly bested by The Nun 2, uh, which continues to reign at the September box office. Scotty, this is the first weekend in a long time that I did not go at least see one movie in the theater uh having that you know amc a list i always feel compelled to see at least one new release and you know once upon a time september and january referred to as the dump months for theatrical releases the stuff that you you know you didn't want to touch with a six foot stick or pole or whatever and i kind of felt it this weekend i was like uh you know when the equalizer three came out i went back and watched all the equalizers and caught that even when fast x came out even though i wasn't up to date on the fast franchise i was like you know what i will go see this thing i'll have fun with it and i did uh did not feel that way for the expendables based on the trailer the previous entries in the series and the word of mouth i was just not compelled in any way and i apparently i was not alone in that uh sentiment Mm. Gareth Edwards' hotly anticipated sci-fi epic, The Creator, has finally been unveiled for its first audience with a press screening taking place last week. Judging by the early social media reaction from journalists and critics, there is almost universal praise for the way The Creator looks and the stunning work of cinematographers Oren Sofer and Grieg Fraser. Many of those who saw the film last Monday described it as one of 2023's best films. The movie releases this week on September 29th. Jay? Go for it, Jay. Um, 
Yeah, this movie is getting a ton of like really, really positive buzz in the in the vein of like this is going to be one of the best movies of the year. It's one of the best sci-fi films of the last decade. Like those are the types of things getting thrown out. Mm. You usually kind of have to take a little bit of grain of salt with press screenings, especially. They do tend to skew very positive because people who get invited to these press screenings, they want to get invited back. So they usually kind of pump the tires of the studio's films a little bit. But this one kind of feels different. Like it feels like people are, are really into the ideas of this. I think it is hitting at the right time, especially with the AI kind of being a core part of the story. But I, I was already intrigued by this and I'm I'm feeling like I want to see it when it comes out like it, it seems like it's uh it's going to be one of those movies you have to catch um right now and i, and I think it's going to do a lot better numbers wise than maybe we thought a week ago because of all this positivity around it mm. i'm gonna give a rebuttal i just think this movie looks great yeah. uh, and we talked about it when it had a trailer a while back and i just think this movie looks really really great and hearing all this positive sentiment makes me really excited and uh we have talked about here on the show possibly some of these we have a big network here uh, at Stranded Panda, lots of shows, but there's some of these movies that fall through the cracks because they don't really fit any shows. And we've thought about just uh, these important films that seem like they're going to be in the news a lot, dropping a, a review here in the feed. So we may actually review this this weekend if we can get to it um, because uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And uh, so, so pay attention to your feed. If you're, if you're wanting to watch it, we we're probably going to try to catch it and drop a review this, uh, this coming weekend. So um, I yeah, I really really excited for this one. Looks great. Quick tiny butt here. I just wanted to say like like the both of you. I'm very excited for this movie. Have been since I saw the first trailer. Uh, but I think also part of the reason I'm so excited to see it is that I don't have to see the trailer before other movies anymore because I, <laughs> it's a really good trailer. But it it's like affecting me emotionally because there's this line in the trailer where the young. Uh, girl who is the AI that John David Washington's character is kind of like shepherding and protecting. And she says, you know, are you going to go to heaven? And he says, no, because I'm not a good person. Mm. She says, then we're the same. You're not going to heaven because you're not good. And I'm not going to heaven because I'm not a person. And just saying it now, I'm getting goosebumps. And it just mm. like melts something and breaks something inside of me. Like I can't Aww. wait to experience that mo- moment in the theater, but it's also like really sad. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really sad. <laughs> That's some like religious trauma stuff, like coming and <laughs> bubbling up in me. Like that's that's woof. Yeah. man. I have some breaking news about the writers' strike. Breaking news from the Hollywood Reporter, um, written tonight that the strike will end twelve oh one a.m. Pacific time Wednesday, thanks to a vote from Guild leadership that officially authorized some eleven thousand five hundred members to return to work. Tasks that for months were prohibited by strike rules can reconvene. Um, this is allowing them to return to work during the ratification process does not affect the membership's right to make a final determination on contract approval. And that ratification is set, like the tentative agreement stuff is set for um, between October 2nd and 9th. So, interesting. Okay. Wow. Head on. They're kind of like going in good faith. Ooh, anybody got a response for that lightning round <laughs> breaking news? <laughs> Our first breaking news. Our first breaking <laughs> news. That. In roughly five hours, the strike will officially be lifted. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. By the time you're all hearing this on the on the recorded version, uh, this is uh, it's over. And so, yeah, they're at least over in the sense that they're back. They're going to be able to go back to work, and we'll start seeing some new content. Some new, you know, the we've all talked about that like whole of content. It's just exciting to see the writers once they start spinning up. Then the act, if they get the actors back in there too, it, like the whole machine starts working again. So mm-hmm. the, the writers kind of need to be there first to get the content ready. So 
It's exciting. Up next in the lightning round, 500 Days of Summer and Amazing Spider-Man director Mark Webb is attached to direct Bermuda, a film about the Bermuda Triangle for Skydance. Skydance has been developing Bermuda for some time with Spider-Man director Sam Raimi at one point attached and filmmaker Scott Derrickson boarding in 2020 after exiting the Doctor Strange sequel. Chris Evans was attached to star uh, in the iteration before Derrickson left the project. The film currently has no writers or other talent attached and no timetable for development. Haley? I love a conspiracy theory. <laughs> I love to watch stuff about the Bermuda Triangle and like I've read a bunch about it, like in the sinking of the Titanic and all that nonsense for all that I can't do dystopia. I love a conspiracy. So <laughs> I think this sounds really interesting. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to chime in with a rebuttal and just say like Mark Webb, I, I really enjoyed 500 Days of Summer and I think mm-hmm. that's a movie that kind of like benefits from like rewatching at various stages of my life and seeing how my perspective on the characters change. I just think it's a really strong film for that regard. But with the amazing Spider-Man and specifically the amazing Spider-Man too, I feel like you really got lost in the like Hollywood machine and the blockbuster big budget shuffle. So the fact that he didn't let the poor reception of that film completely deter him and he's still willing to, you know, take a, a chance and studios are willing to take a chance on him on some of this like higher concept, um, bigger budget stuff is, you know, it's, it's encouraging because this is an industry that chews up and, and spits out a lot of people. So the fact that, you know, he's bouncing back, I like to see it. I, I think this is an interesting story because, like, it, Mark Webb is now attached, and previously Sam Raimi was attached, and Scott Derrickson, who left Doctor Strange It'll, yeah. It'll to make go your back. head hurt. It feels <laughs> like... to connect this. <laughs> it, well, it feels yeah. very interesting. Like, it feels like Bermuda is going to have a Marvel tone. Like, it feels mm. like they're going for, like, a mm. sort of an action-adventure type vibe because of the way those three, like, or, or, although, I don't know about Mark Webb, but Scott Derrickson and Sam Raimi have very horror tones as well. Right. So, but, you know, it just it's just interesting to see passing from one Spider-Man director to another and someone else who's directing something that was another very Spider-Man-ish tone, even though it wasn't. Yeah, it's, it's with, just interesting with to see Chris, With Chris Evans, too. Yeah, with Chris Evans. So, it just seems like very Marvel- Adjacent. <laughs> um, okay. Adult Swim has revealed the season seven trailer for Rick and Morty, featuring the voice actors replacing co creator Justin Roiland, who was dismissed from the show due to misconduct allegations. In an unusual move, the network is keeping the names of the new voice talent confidential until the show's season premiere. Matt, I didn't like them. I thought the vo- I've heard I heard people before I watched it. I heard people talking about how perfect the recreations were, and I just don't think so. I, I don't think they're terrible. I, I say I don't like them. The truth is, I just think I can really tell, like especially mm. with Morty. Less so with Rick, but Morty to me does not sound like Morty. Um, and so you know that's weird. It's weird after all these years and have these characters that I love very much uh, being recast like that. Yeah. yeah I- I was wondering how you guys would react to that because for me, like I, I didn't notice much of a difference. I wasn't really nitpicking it like super close, but for me, like I, 
I, I didn't, I wasn't really pulled out, you know, uh, like Scotty and I sat down and talked about solar opposites, which did the Royland recast, but they went in the opposite direction. Right. They got a completely different voice of a guy to, to replace the voice of a character. Hmm. And we talked about how we eventually got there, but it took, a, it took me at least a couple episodes to get there. Like there was a lot right. of like, it would pull me out. Uh, I never got there in the intro. Cause that character reads the intro statement and I never got there where I was like, felt like that was the intro to that show. Um, But eventually by the end, I felt it. But with this, I don't know. I just felt like I kind of jumped right in. But um, maybe over the course of a season or a whole episode or whatever, it'll be a little bit more standout. But yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really feel like it was too much different for me at least. Mm. Cool. Despite facing intense backlash for denigrating comic book films back in 2019, director Martin Scorsese is back at it again in his recent profile for GQ. Referring to comic book movies as manufactured content rather than cinema, among comparisons to AI-generated content. Scotty. As much as I don't like and disagree with what Scorsese is saying here, on the one hand, I kind of have to respect just like the cojones and the stick to Like back in 2019, he said this and he's like, I don't care about the backlash. You know what? I'm pushing 90 years old and I'm still doing this. I've, I've watched the evolution of Hollywood. I, I saw, you know, how the studios transitioned from the crime noir films of the 70s and how blockbusters basically took over. So um, I, you know, I, I think it's one of those arenas where two things can be true at the same time. Yes, you can have, you know, this very precious cinema that like pushes the art form forward and develops new techniques, but you really can't take away from what these big blockbuster movies are doing in terms of like pouring the money into developing similar technology or just building that spectacle or giving uh, a lot of these performers, you know, that chance to build up that cachet and have the opportunity to go and do smaller indie films. So I think he needs to broaden his horizons and his perspective a little bit, but I, I do, I still really like Martin Scorsese as a filmmaker and I really look forward to uh, K- Killers of the Flower Moon. Big talk from a guy who's doing a huge blockbuster <laughs> with huge stars in it that's three and a half hours long. True. The end. True. <laughs> I, I also think like, yeah, you, you talked about how Scorsese's like, oh, he's kind of brave to just stick to his guns. Also, he just wants to, to me, it's like he's pushing the button that knows he's going to get him in the news. Mm-hmm. Like he's yeah. just saying like the thing that is going to get Scorsese talked about on a bunch of sites that wouldn't be talking about Killers of the Flower Moon. They're now going to talk about it and then go, by the way, he has his movie come out this week, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do wonder like what the relationship of his publicist is to him, because I'm sure that either they're telling people like, don't ask him about comic book movies or they're telling <laughs> Martin Scorsese, like, can you please not talk about comic book movies? Cause when you did it last time, it turned into a whole thing or whatever, but he's like, no, nah, I'm Martin Scorsese. I'll do whatever I want. But, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think like, I don't know. I can kind of exist in the middle where like, I'm not mad at kind of like what you were saying, Scotty, like right. I'm not mad at Martin Scorsese. Like I like, I like his movies. I'll still see his movies. Um, I can, I can not agree with what he's saying and still, still appreciate him as a filmmaker and move on. For sure. right. uh, so it's kind of one of those middle ground things where it's like, uh, it's not, it's not going to ruin my day any, but he's, he's, he's very passionate about it for sure. The mistake he's going to make though, that he's already making is people are tired of hearing it. Oh, for and sure. So he's yeah, going to push sure. people. Cause I'm the same way. I'm, I'm super excited to see killers of the flower moon, but he's pushing people the other way now. Cause people were at first going to be like, Oh yeah, you know, he's got a point. It makes sense. Especially those wanting to say like the MCU is not doing as well. And 
now it's like, okay, we get it, Martin. You don't like superhero movies. You know, it's like the horse is dead. The full quote, too, he said he said that we need to fight back against comic book movies. That was a direct quote in there, too, which is very strong language. Uh, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That feels like very intentionally trying to get attention to me. Yeah, I I do think that is an element of it just to, you know, bring it full circle. I I agree with everything that's been brought up. But at the same time, it, it reeks of like the old man, like, get off my lawn. Like, I don't think he'd be saying these things if he didn't actually believe it, but it's yeah. the Simpsons headline, old man yells at cloud or whatever. Like <laughs> yeah, that, right. like that. <laughs> you can also completely disagree with him that the comic book movies are valueless, which is what he seems to think and still understand what he's saying. Like, sure. Oh like, yeah. From his perspective, it has no value. But from my perspective, like I see what he's saying that like it's a different kind of movie. It serves a different function in our society and it serves a different function in the art form like you were talking about, Scotty. And it's just like, it's just, you know, there, there's room for both and the kind oh, of yeah. hate. I think the whole like Barbenheimer thing, I think the fact that Chris Nolan didn't really push back like publicly was kind of. A, a, a classy move just like let it happen like he didn't like encourage right. it but he didn't he just kind of let it happen um yeah okay speaking of scorsese tickets for his upcoming killers of the flower moon went on sale monday with early projections suggesting it may perform similarly to oppenheimer at the box office if true, that won't be the only thing that the flicks have in common, as the upcoming historical epic has a confirmed whopping runtime of three hours and 26 minutes. Haley, uh, the only thing I'm not loving so far about the marketing for Killers is the focus on Leo DiCaprio. Mm. <laughs> That's not what the story is about. <laughs> hey, have we forgotten one of the uh, earliest stories of multiverse news that Martin Scorsese is developing a film actively about Jesus? Uh, oh, we oh my about god that. yes we have <laughs> <laughs> I forgot, that's right. yep. just want to bring that back to the forefront because when leo Di- when leo dicaprio is playing jesus uh we'll revisit this <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. i do think this film will do well it's a well-known story at this point a lot of people have read the book and so i think there's a oppenheimer like buzz for sure cool the Curse, an A24 and Showtime genre-bending home renovation series starring Emma Stone and Nathan Fielder, is set to premiere on Paramount Plus November 10th while debuting on Showtime November 12th. The series also stars Benny Safdie, who is a co-creator alongside Fielder. Matt. Go, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> we know who's talking about this. <laughs> um, yeah, I just love Nathan Fielder. Uh, his show, Nathan For You, is oh, amazing. So good. so good. And the rehearsal uh, more recently, amazing. And like, it's just such a weird... He's so good at making such weird, self-referential, interesting content. And this... It's it still looks like it's set up as a horror series, and it's called home reno. It's like a home renovation thing. Like that just sounds amazing. Like a like a and it's Emma Stone and him. Like I I don't know what it's about. Also, do you? Do you there's not a trailer for this, right? No, I've, I've I looked and I couldn't find one. Yeah. I I found multiple fan made ones and it, it pissed me off. Um, right. I was like <laughs> halfway through. I'm like, no, these are shots from other movies. I know it. Um, yeah. but no, I love 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 of Nathan Fielder. Such an interesting creator making stuff that is different from anyone else. Um, and I am just going to be there uh, to watch this the day it drops, for sure. 
I can only echo those sentiments. You give me A24, you give me mm. Emma Stone, and then the cherry on top that is Nathan Fielder. I don't need to know anything else about this. I am 100% on board and very excited for it. Absolutely. Yeah, he's he's brilliant. I mean, he's 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 absolutely brilliant. Like Nathan for you is the funniest comedy I've ever seen. Like and yeah. I don't think I would put a comedy funnier than Nathan for you. It's hilarious. Um, it, yeah, like the the concepts and like the execution of the concepts is just on this level of understanding of humor that other people are not doing. And then mm. the rehearsal starts that way and then takes such a left turn that affects you in the <laughs> in an emotional way. Like by the end I was like I have no clue how to feel like I was like this is this is one of the most interesting things of ever watch so uh, i'm all i mean i'm all down for anything he wants to do i'll watch it yeah i i I appreciated the rehearsal but i have to imagine you as a parent how that experience some of those episodes how that oh yeah that must by the end i was like i don't know i'm not sure if i should be laughing or crying i mean it's just (laughs) well and he kind of did that with nathan for you too the final episode they oh, did right. like a weird two-hour episode that tried to do the same thing where it did the rehearsal trick of starting like Nathan for you and sort of morphing into uh, an emotional experience at the end. And it's right. like, I found myself emotional at the end of the very last episode. I was like, what is happening right now? And that was weird because it was like three seasons and then it ended that way. It, it, so yeah, uh, both shows amazing. If you don't know Nathan Fielder, if you don't know those two shows, please check them out uh, and get on get on our level. Get Get on the... The curse. We got. We're gonna all definitely gonna talk about this when it comes out. Um, all right. Well, guys, that is all for multiverse news. Um, we are gonna be back very soon with more. We're probably gonna be back this weekend with a multiverse review. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, t- discussing uh, the the, uh, the creator. So, Jay Scotty, tell them where they can find you online. Yeah, please check out Animation Deliberation. It's the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. We have Spy Family uh, making its season two debut in just a couple of weeks here. And then uh, the Hulu revival of Futurama uh, just aired its first 10 episodes. It's going on a little bit of a break before the second half of the season. And uh, I actually just recorded an episode doing some quick takes on what I thought of that, especially the, the last two episodes, episode nine and 10, were like some of the best episodes of Futurama ever. So mm. uh, if you're a fan of any of that stuff, check out Animation Deliberation wherever you get your podcast. That's awesome. Uh, Jay Sisson, what about you, buddy? Yeah, you can find me at Commute the Podcast, where me and my co-host try to teach you three interesting things on your way to work for about 20 minutes, uh, the length of an average commute. So come learn something new with us. Which, by the way, I have to ask your opinion. Um, how old is too old to trick-or-treat? What's your cutoff? Ooh, I feel like I feel like thirteen to fourteen. Uh, that range. Yeah, fourteen. Fourteen feels right. Uh, I'm a softy. <laughs> One of our segments was about an ordinance that some cities have put in place that caps it at twelve. All right, mm. so like makes it a crime <laughs> to trick or treat over twelve. That is so, a weird. Uh, interesting 12. conversations Dang. there. If I got more kids coming to my house, I'd say older, but I don't care how old they are. <laughs> I feel like twelve is the upper limit, but like. I'm not going to get mad at a kid who's 13. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, like, but what if they don't have a costume on? If they show up without a costume, I'm like, get off my lawn, you know? Yeah. The older they are without a costume. You got to at least have a costume on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I'm so much cooler than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> soft. You're soft. I am um, soft. I'm, I'm not like, above get, just get saying. Get rid of this candy. <laughs> yeah, get, get a job and buy your own candy. You're 16. <laughs> <laughs> the economy. <laughs> the economy. Haley, tell them where they can find your soft self online. <laughs> 
<laughs> my soft hearts over at Source Pages with Brian B. Klein. If you like character and story background, that's what we do. We dive into source material. So this next week, we'll be talking Loki. Mm. Have you guys been talking much Ahsoka? Yeah, we have done several. Well, we did two Ahsoka primer eps, and then we're talking about probably doing a couple of follow-ups once the show is completely done. Nice. I need to come. But you know Brian and I are talking about Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah, I figured. And I, I love, 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 love Ahsoka. And I'm, I've am i been watching way too many like lore videos and stuff, uh, but to get extra <laughs> background, even though I watch Rebels. So I'm going to have to uh, come listen to y'all's episodes on Ahsoka. For you sure. figured out who Maroc was? <laughs> I heard all the theories and I thought they were all BS. He was, he was Ralph Boner 2.0. Yeah. I thought no, you'd been Ralph even. Boner enough times you would have learned your lesson. Listen, Maroc <laughs> was like just not a thing. Like everyone was saying he was a thing. And I was like, no, it's it's just a guy with a lightsaber, guys. It's just an inquisitor. Like let him live. Whatever, have, Matt. Whatever. Don't try to watch all the videos if you aren't going to get on the hype train. <laughs> Part of the fun of being a Star Wars fan is being ridiculous. <laughs> See, that's not me. I'm the guy who's like, no, it's not Mephisto. Like, guys, calm down. It's not Mephisto. (laughs) Everybody picks these very specific things and gets really on board with it. (laughs) Star Killer, yeah. Star Killer. Did I just correct you on a Star Wars thing? No, no, you did not. Wait, what did you say? What Star Destroyer are you talking about? I said, get off my Star Destroyer. Oh. Like, get off my lawn. Everyone was saying Maroc was Star Killer. So I thought you were meaning Star Killer. Sorry. No, I heard what you said. Mm, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'll keep trying. I'm going to keep finding a place to correct you on a Star Wars thing. <laughs> that wasn't the correction you were looking for. Oh, nice one, <laughs> All right. Peace, everybody. You stay classy, multiverse. <laughs>